feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. We, You know, uh, this is a review for a film that is now available to stream on Netflix. Uh, but as you can tell by Matt's shirt, uh, if you're watching this on, on YouTube, uh, and if you've been following Untitled Movie Podcast or our reviews... Um, we've talked about it a lot recently. Uh, TIFF is coming up. So we're kind of, you know, in, in TIFF mode, uh, for the most part. Uh, and so having, you know, been prepping for that, we might seem a little bit more absent-minded or not as focused on, uh, releases that are, that are, you know, coming up between, uh, now, which is as we're recording this, uh, September 3rd and the 10th. Uh, per se, and even the the 17th to uh, mm-hmm. a lesser extent. Yes. Today we are reviewing Sarah Colangelo's Worth, which is Eric just mentioned now streaming on Netflix, um, for, kind of for the 20th anniversary of the uh, attacks on the Twin Towers, uh, 9-11. So wait, I, wait, I think I, before I want to I just want to interrupt you there for a second, because you just mentioning that the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary of, of mm-hmm. 9-11. Um, and before we get into the re- review, you know, there, there are moments in history in life where you remember where you were when it happened or you have a, a stronger sense of, you know, that moment in time. Um, you know, like you think you know, our parents generation, they remember when, you know, they when they were kids and, you know, Kennedy was assassinated and they heard yeah. you know, on the news you know, that that was that that was happening. So I wanted to ask you um, like a big worldwide event that everyone kind of pays attention to. I know these are very American focused that we're talking about. I think we're living through one right now. But this isn't though. This is this is this is 9-11. Yes, it took place on American soil in New York Mm -hmm. and it was a tragedy for the nation, but it Mm -hmm. felt international in terms of the world changing. So I wanted to ask you before we even started, you know, where were you when when it happened and what what were you doing and what were your thoughts um yeah so to start like i it, it's always interesting cuz you talked about like we're focused on tiff and 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 things like that so you know the movies that are coming out you know today on the 3rd and and next week on the 10th we're kind of trying to squeeze in here and get them done or maybe we'll get reviews after the festival and um 911 I, obviously I'll get into where I, I think I remember I was um in 2001 um very young you know I was 12 years old at the time um uh but TIFF and, and 9-11, I mean, it's, TIFF is at the beginning of September every year, right? So, like, that's kind of always one of those things where it's hard to, um, you know, it always happens when we're in the middle of the festival seeing a bunch of movies and there's always either sometimes a moment of silence or, or something like that that people um, do if you're seeing films on that day. So I always kind of, you know, TIFF is always at the beginning of September and then, you know, the anniversary of kind of remembering you know unfortunately the people we lost that day and just how you said the world changing and just that day especially and tiff just kind of go weirdly in in the same place in my brain because they always happen at the same time but in 2001 yeah i would have been 12 uh so i would have been what grade seven i think yes and you would have been grade eight you think like yeah and then um i remember because i live so close to my school um 
I think I did go to school or what time did it happen? Like eight in the morning, right? Did yeah. You know, like yeah, like seven thirty, eight in the morning. Like it was pretty early, right? And it was throughout the day as well because the first tower fell and then it took time for the second tower to fall. Right. And, and so yeah. that morning into the afternoon, um, I remember coming home from school. I think they sent everyone home. Or, See, that's interesting because they didn't I don't know. At, or I was at, at, at my school. Or I remember everyone talking. I was so close to home. Like I lived um, – I was not very punctual as a kid because – and um, especially in school. Um, I lived so close I could hear the school bell from my, my house. So like that would almost be my alarm every morning. And I was that kid who lived the closest to the school but was the latest to school every day. And I, from what I remember, I either recessed or maybe I was at school and, and things started to trickle out. But I think we were young enough that they didn't want to like scare everyone. So I, I don't remember exactly. I just remember being at recess and kids talking and, and thinking that we were – you know, going to war or something like in like the US and I don't know how Canada would be involved and things like that. And, you know, being pretty young and not totally understanding it. But then I remember going home maybe for lunch. That's what I remember because I would go home for lunch every day. And then maybe I stayed home the rest of the day at after lunch because I don't know if they sent everyone home. But I think maybe I went home for lunch and I remember watching it on the news with like my parents being home or whatever. Um, and then maybe staying home that day. Um, but I don't, I don't have like a, a, a really, like I have a bad memory in general, um, sometimes, uh, for things, but I don't necessarily remember if I stayed home or, or what happened the next couple days. But that day, I remember the day at school a little bit and I remember watching the news at home and that's kind of all I can kind of remember. What about you? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I remember, uh, grade eight, um, it was the morning uh, that uh, that it was everything was as you know a typical day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in music uh, class, or, or and, right. and this is also a time like you know t- to people that are listening that might be younger um, listeners or, or 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 watchers on YouTube. This is a time when social media wasn't prevalent you know like it, it wasn't right. you know like i, I had feel the like, internet but we didn't have cell phones or anything exactly like, that, like i feel like if a, a, an event like this happened now there would be no way for teachers or an administration staff to shield to, the children exactly um and and so there were kind of like whispers about it throughout the morning that maybe like you know other kids overheard something strange <laughs> going on in the u.s and what have you and then after lunch, as you mentioned, you know, kids coming back, they didn't, they didn't, um, you know, cancel the rest of the day. They kept the, 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 the school going and the classes going and, and teachers were there. But after lunch, a lot of kids were coming back and they were telling other kids what was going on. What happened? Yeah, that might have been the same case for me. I'm not sure. And just thinking about how kids interpret the news, at, you know, you know, when you're at a younger age and when you're thinking about it it almost felt like it was the end of the world. Like it felt mm-hmm. like the world was like it, we were going into world war three and it almost yeah. felt like the world was ending. And because at first so you thought scary. it was an accident, right? Yeah. Like I think every, well, everyone did until that second one hit. And then uh, I think people started to obviously realize what was happening. And then as kids, maybe you couldn't fully grasp that. But if your parents telling you like, no, we were attacked or not, we, the, uh, the U S was attacked, but um, yeah, I, I kind of with you where your senses are heightened or, you know, everything is heightened when you're younger. And uh, I remember feeling kind of a, uh, of a similar way. Cause the thing I remember the most was the 
the the day after where mm-hmm. they brought in um counselors uh mm-hmm. to talk to all the students and they brought in the newspapers from the next day like yeah. the one that i always remember the most even though it's it's a terrible newspaper is the toronto star and for people that don't know the toronto star is a very conservative uh newspaper i that's... thought the sun is or, the star or, uh, is... yeah yeah the sun yeah, pardon yeah. me pardon me yeah, uh, yeah. The, the star sun... is okay but the star is fine toronto sun, sun is yes, garbage but the toronto yeah. sun their their headline <laughs> with the image of one of the planes crashing into the tower was bastards with an exclamation yeah, mark. I do and remember that. that was, yeah. I was like provocative. Yeah. Right? And, and, like, and again, yeah. like thinking it's, it's the Toronto sun, you know, it is what it is. But like at that moment, it's like, wow, I've never seen, you know, a newspaper use an exploitative, yeah. you know, and, 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 on the headline. And, yeah. And like page, that. Yeah. And just again, thinking like, what, what is the world going to be like? <laughs> and asking, you know, parents and and counselors and teachers and just there was no certainty of what was going to happen next and just thinking Mm. like how scary that was yeah and i mean well and i think this all is a good conversation leading into this movie and i just think it's wild you know it was how I don't want to get too political and things like that too, but the time we're living with now at the coronavirus pandemic and how many people we have lost, you know, in the U S and worldwide, like compared to an event, like this was a horrible thing. And I think because it was an attack and it was dramatic with planes crashing into a building and, you know, someone targeting specifically the United States that, you know, we've remembered this for 20 years and it's been this big event. And it's just wild to me that we still have, you know, you see, right now you know anti-maskers and and uh anti-vaxxers and stuff like that and just not treating this fucking pandemic with respect and not respecting the people who have died during this pandemic that have you know totaled you know like look at the we we lost thousands of people during this attack horrible horribly sad we'll get into it they cover that in this movie um but it was just wild to me, even as we were going through this, that, you know, the same people who are probably thinking about 9-11 and then going through coronavirus right now and not treating, I don't know, all the people who died during these past year and a half, two years that with respect to, it's just wild to me that like, you know, people can think it's a, a hoax. And I mean, people have thought that there's been shit about 9-11 about all that stuff too. But I don't know, it just puts things in perspective because I remember, uh, you know, even watching it and all that stuff coming back. And I think we are living through one of those times, Eric, that, you know, it's extended because it's been two years, but this is an event, you know, I don't want to take the uh, attention away from, from this movie or, or the 20th anniversary of nine 11, but it's just, I think watching it and then not thinking about it that much, nine 11, like, because it happened a while ago, you kind of start to forget. Well, the years, the movie. time, time, yeah. it, like that, that saying time heals all wounds, but it also yeah. is something that kind of, the more you get away from it, the less pain it, yeah. it, it is there. But again, it never goes away either because it's, mm-hmm. it's still something that is so impactful in terms of how it changed the way we look at yeah. history and life and, and politics. And, and mm-hmm. that gets into this film as well, because it's looking at the legality of the situation in a post, a very early post 9-11, like a couple of days after where you have, you know, 
Kenneth Feinberg, who's uh, you know a, a, a Washington counselor, a, a New York lawyer who who's, who now works in in New York, taking uh, the reins on this uh, September 11th uh, victims fund and sort mm-hmm. of the compensation for those who lost their lives, which would go to you know the money would go to their family or those who were severely injured. And the idea behind this is that. It will cover, you know, everybody that was either, you know, first responders or in the building at the time. And they have to look at it because they have a baseline and it's almost like, okay, well, is, uh, you know, a maintenance worker the same as somebody that <laughs> worth is worth the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's the whole point of, of this movie. And uh, Michael Keaton, who plays uh, Kenneth Feinberg, I think is is always good and 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 here like the way that he handles Agreed. the dialogue and and sort of looking at it from a very pragmatic point of view and being impartial and and talking about being objective, even though it's almost impossible uh, once you start uh, getting into meeting the, the families, the and, meetings, and the interviews yeah. that are conducted. Um, but there's also that kind of behind the scenes of like, you know, the U.S. government wants this to go away as soon as possible. So they're given a deadline of, of basically two years to um, get 80 percent of people to buy into this instead of suing separately. Because yes, for what I grasp, if everyone sued separately, it could bankrupt all the airlines, which then would crash the economy. And like and there's a bunch of different things that could have happened that which would if, result in another depression. Yeah. And also especially thinking like, OK, <clears throat> as this movie is unfolding in real time, um, you know, like there's this this idea that, OK, well, we're, they're going to war. You know, the U.S. is going to go to war. And so that also will uh, affect the economy greatly. Um but again, like this is coming from the point of view of looking at how politics and business are basically not a good mix for the moral stance in which you need to approach um, a fun like this. And, and, and I think, dude, going back to what's happening right now, which is why I think you know, people are going, why the hell don't we just shut down for three months? Or why haven't we shut down just like, you know, putting lives in before, you know, the economy or businesses and things like that. And I think it's kind of exactly what's happening right now in a very different way. But it's just all kind of living through this just I don't think I maybe would have had the same perspective, I think is what I mean, when I'm watching and listening this and seeing what's happening now and going, well, why are we still open or why are we doing this? And now we're introducing vaccine passports or different things like that. Or why have businesses been open when cases keep going up and things like that? And I think that conversation in the boardroom that they talk about of being like, we need people, we'll give billions of dollars to this fund to pay people, but we can't have them all. I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, but, um, they're like, if, if everyone sued, it would just crash the economy. And then, you know, that is the worst thing that can happen because then, you know, society starts to crumble. Well, not only that, and this is also a key point in the film is that if, you know, they decide to go with a class action lawsuit, it takes Mm -hmm. much longer and some people need the money as soon as possible because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're a single parent now and they're, they're struggling to, you know, pay the bills. And so you you have to look at the situation like that. It's so complex complex. and, and, and almost impossible to take on something so, 
unspeakable in terms of you know the 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 emotional uh toll and and you know you see it again mostly from the point of view of kenneth feinberg and his legal team you know uh, Mm -hmm. amy ryan uh is his uh, uh business partner in this and uh there's a moment that she has after interviewing uh one of the victim's uh family members and in any other movie, I think it would, it's still manipulative to a certain extent, but I think yeah. the way it's handled and where it's like, how do you, how do you decompress or how do you put that away? And especially if you're doing multiple interviews with people who have lost somebody and, you know, telling them they're, you know, telling this lawyer the story because it helps with, you know, the idea of how much they're going to make. And part of it in terms of, uh, the finances is looked at like how much they were making, you know, salary Their salaries. In a, yeah. In and a it's a formula they come up with essentially, which just is supposed to be this kind of, here's a formula. If you made this much and you had this many, your mortgage versus how many people, kids and dependents and all this kind of stuff just made up this baseline number of like, here's your worth as a human being. And I guess that's the moral question. The movie is kind of going through and, and having Kenneth, Feinberg go through as he's doing this kind of pro bono case for the government trying to you know and ultimately he has good intentions it's just that like you said it it's almost an impossible job to you know appease you know basically I like the juxtaposition between that one sequence um, where they show and again it is a little manipulative and on the nose and things like that but I feel like it's it's kind of okay in a movie like this um, where I don't think it's so heavy handed, but I like that conversation uh, that the two conversations happening with like, you know, um, the, the CEOs and their lawyers and stuff like that. And then you go to the kitchen workers and the janitors and stuff and their families. Many of um, which are undocumented as well, because that's yeah. a, a key point in that moment. And they're grateful for the, you know, $250,000 they're going to get where the CEOs and their lawyers, it's not their families, like the the lower people too, are saying, you know, $14 is not enough to blah, blah. And it was, I, I thought it was, that- Wasn't it 200000 for the families, yeah. the young, uh, yeah, sure. Sorry, yeah. I said two fifty, but yeah. um, I just mean like a much lower number, and they were right. just grateful that they would even get any money to help go, and then the greediness of, not necessarily greediness, but like um, it, I like that juxtaposition between you know uh, the one percent and the you know the the you know the everyday kind of workers down at the lower levels of the building too. And even that kind of metaphor. See, Um, that's the thing where I was kind of mixed on, but I get what you're saying where like, I think again, those are scenes where it's intentional and, and sure it's driving the point. The script, you know, Max Bornstein's script is, is self-aware in in that way that it knows what it's doing when it's sort of emotionally. I didn't think it was so heavy handed or so manipulative, but there, but it still is there. Like, I mean, it's, it's obvious enough to see again, as you mentioned, the juxtaposition through the editing, even in terms of cutting back, and forth between the litigation no, and they of, even of have Amy a conversation Ryan after doing they the kind of hammer at home. Yeah. Doing yeah. the, the, the um, sort of, you know, she's going through a translator to, to talk to, yeah. you know, these mostly don't um, get me wrong. Latin, it is, but um, undocumented workers. And like you said, like they're surprised that they're getting anything at all. And like, they're mm-hmm. more afraid of, you know, <laughs> being, uh, uh, taking deported. something from the government because it would they'll be documented exactly and, and, it, and right? deported yeah. as well and and obviously you know it's a safe space and and they have to kind of they're more that is their 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 first sort of and most important um issue that they have so mm-hmm. yeah and then like again like 
as much as I liked seeing Michael Keaton and Tate Donovan in a movie together again, they were both in clean and sober when Tate Donovan was a kid. And there's a weird line later on in the movie where Donovan talks about his character seeing uh, Kenneth Feinberg as a um, mentor, as a mentor and having (laughs) hair. And it was weird because it was thinking like, okay, well in clean and sober Tate Donovan was really like a teen and that's funny. This addiction drama and Michael Keaton had hair uh, like wild kind of like, almost like a perm in that movie um but in terms of like that kind of like sleazy over the top kind of villain lawyer like he's not in it that much but it's it's very much a caricature of what you'd expect but it does do a a, an interesting sort of turn when it comes to politics in this movie and i thought one of the scenes as well that actually works quite in, in 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 a fascinating way is when you have Michael Keaton's character talking to the attorney general about taking the job and that Mm -hmm. there is this sort of line between, okay, well, Keaton's character, uh, Kenneth Feinberg in real life is, is a Democrat. And, you know, like this will, the attorney general is conservative, obviously because it's during the Bush administration. It's like a win-win situation for him. And that's how he convinces. Right. But the way that they talk to each other, is very civil. It's not what you'd expect when the From cameras <laughs> are rolling, but but even when the cameras are rolling, because I think sure, yeah. at the end of the day, most politicians are going to be sitting at the t- same table. Like yeah. they'll put on a show for you when you know they're 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 talking when to the public are coming around <laughs> exactly. But when it comes to behind the scenes, they are very much mostly on the same side they all get it they all get it yeah right? and and, then... and not to get too political but i am going to say this about uh republicans and conservatives where it truly does not work in a situation like this because the the, the whole sort of party line when it comes to conservative conservatism is is basically you run the country like a business and that's the approach that even this fund is taking to the point where, you know, the first time uh, Feinberg, you know, talks to these families, he completely mm. blunders it because he's not sympathetic in any way. Yeah. He's again, he's impartial and he's not a monster, but he's looking at it from the point of view of how the numbers <laughs> add up. And it's to the point where you have, you know, Stanley Tucci in, in this great supporting role, right. who's basically it's Charles so, Wolf. Well, yeah, representing the people and, and their best interest. And what the people want more than anything else is just to be treated like a human being and not a statistic or not, uh, you know, a, a, a finite number. Mm -hmm. And that's what the movie, I think, does a pretty good job of. Like, I don't think that there's anything necessarily spectacular in the movie, and I think it's fairly by the book. But um, I think it has some good performances. I think, like we said, with the writing, which is a little obvious and maybe on the nose. But I think for something like this, like a um, a Netflix 9-11 movie that you know, is sort of a prestige picture, but, um, but it's also it a, a dramatic procedural as well. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's like, you know, trying so hard to be like, like when I talked about, you said it's a little bit emotionally manipulative. I can take like a little bit or when the writing is like obvious, but still impactful, but it's not like fucking like you better feel something man like in, in trial of the chicago seven that's where i um, wanted to go because i yeah, feel like, like th- these two films they both have michael keaton as well both netflix yeah. like it's just uh, one movie i think is trying really fucking hard to like lay it home where i feel like this is doing it's obvious but and it's like 
again, I think it's a nice reminder at 20 years later and it, and showcasing, you know, we knew all knew about the nine 11, uh, victims fund and things like that, but well, I even know, still going on uh, where you yeah. have like John Stewart representing, you know, first responders and, mm-hmm. and the idea that even like, you know, people were getting sick months after sort years of later, years later, decades. Yeah. Later. And, and, yeah, and so. that fund wouldn't cover them because, you know, an illness just doesn't happen overnight, right? Like, yeah. you know, people getting sick because of asbestos or, you know, breathing in smoke or eczema and things like that. So it was, it, to me, it was interesting going through and getting to the minutia of even if it ne- didn't ne- necessarily get into like the nitty gritty, like, you know, stuff of it. It was pretty, I think, kind of surface level focusing on the families and the emotional aspect and saying, don't treat everyone just with a number of what on their life kind of thing and having them go through and, it, it, you know, seeing Feinberg's, you know, like you said, starting as this kind of businessman that's like, we're going to get that 80%. Everyone's going to get this number, this formula kind of thing. And not thinking about that, you know, not every case is going to be exactly the same, but then how he kind of starts to understand these stories and try to work them all in and, and ultimately get the right um, kind of decision on everything, I think was, you know, they did a solid job. And I think it really helps having great actors like Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci and Amy Ryan. And like, I think they kind of carry the movie. And I, I was never, you know, I, I never rolled my eyes of being like, oh, my God, this is so heavy handed or, or really I just was like, okay, yeah, I I feel like for the audience that you're making this movie for, I think they kind of nail the tone and and kind of um, how, you know, subtle they needed to be throughout the whole thing of like, and it's not very subtle, but again, going back to trial of the Chicago seven, like it's not, no one's hamming it up and no one's trying to give this like over the top kind of like, you know, uh, it's not speechified like in that way. Like it's a little bit more, and again, I don't necessarily like using the word subtle, but I think Sarah Colangelo is a much better director than Aaron Sorkin is in yeah. terms of handling some of the emotional scenes. But I do where I do think it is emotionally manipulative <laughs> at times is through the score and some of the um, kind of slick uh, cinematography and the compositions. There's a lot of leading room in scenes where you have characters kind of standing in the corner of the frame. And then, you know, whether it be to the right or the left, there's a lot of sort of, you know, extra space there that I kind of felt a little bit annoying after a while. And then the score itself is the part that I do feel is the most kind of heavy handed in terms of hitting home, how you're supposed to feel in any one scene where you don't need that because it is so emotionally raw to begin with that you're, I think anybody that's watching this film, whether you are liberal or conservative or, you know, libertarian or in between or whatever, you're still going to be very much empathetic and feel for the yeah yeah, because it's it's about the people it's not you know part of the story and i think part of what doesn't make the film work completely is michael keaton's character you know classic storytelling uh tropes is that you have a character who starts at the beginning as somebody and then has this change by the epiphany yeah yeah but keaton one, he's so likable. Maybe that's part of it. But two, Kenneth Feinberg again isn't really a bad person. Like he's no. not. He's not. He's not a uh, Tate Donovan's character. Like if it was, sure. it was Tate Donovan's lawyer who was going through this, he has then, good intentions from the beginning. Yeah, even though he he admits that part of it is ego in terms of taking it pro bono and being the one to want to do this. But you never feel like 
he was a monster or like that classic like shark lawyer kind of type person like yes he 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 is more grounded by the end of it and he comes to realize that like this truly is not about just numbers and that it can't be just a simple kind of okay well i'll give you this much money and 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 then move on like you have to kind of really assess the person and, and be there for them and, and he talks about you know lawyers can't be therapists but in in this situation you have to kind of give the client um as much opportunity to just tell their story or, or talk to them and just be there and and watching those moments again sometimes very emotionally manipulative but the mm-hmm. a lot of the actors that are kind of in these smaller roles are they make are, it effective I exactly think. exactly and and you have those moments where i think it does come together i, I again like you take some of the the sort of subplots or or some of the the specific um sort of uh cases where you have you know the widow of a firefighter and sort of you know what she's going through and and why she she does about her husband yeah and and what and why she doesn't want to sign the document and then you know you have a gay man whose spouse was also you know trapped in one of the towers but you know he's well they weren't married yet no 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 no, no, that's what i mean because he's not recognized because they weren't legally married Mm. so his parents get those benefits and his parents don't recognize him and so again he was estranged from his parents yeah 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 and so those (laughs) stories again on their own are very powerful and emotional but they also do get a little bit of a a a, a shortcut or a short thrift throughout the the film because again they're basically serving Michael Keaton and Amy Ryan's character in characters in and terms where of development, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I get that. And even the opening scene of the movie right away, I was I, I was like, oh no. Um because <laughs> the, the shot in the classroom and he's giving this speech, which is essentially what the movie's going to be about to his class and stuff like that. Right. Um, it, it literally spells out what the film is, especially with the title. Opening, it's like, yeah. you know, what's life worth? And yeah. So at first I was like, oh no. But then the movie I think, you know, settles in and and ends up, you know, again, I think 20 years later um something like this is important and 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 you know it, it very interesting with great actors and and um i i enjoyed it i just yeah i'm kind of with you that um i don't think it does anything exceptional but it kind of just you know hits every note how it kind of should and then um and i think i'm gonna like this movie more i don't know how you feel but i think i'm gonna like this movie more by the end of like say next year or the, or in the winter when it doesn't get any Oscar nominations or things like that, where like the trial of the Chicago seven, which was also perfectly fine for the most part, but you know, it being nominated for all these awards and keeping it in the conversation almost made it a terrible film even more so than like, not that it changed the movie. It just, it's like, I don't want to hear about this thing anymore. Right. Where I feel like everyone will properly say this movie is good, not great, where they should have also said that about Chicago, uh, Trial of Chicago 7, but everyone kept calling it great and i couldn't see that i was on the same page with you yeah and we should Um, also mention that higher ground uh is the production company that helped um sort of make the deal with netflix and that's barack obama and michelle obama's uh, production company and they've done a lot of documentaries for them so um and it is interesting that that film that worth um did play at sundance back in in uh 2019 um so they were hold- I thought it was 2020 oh 2020 the year before mm-hmm. so they were holding it specifically for uh the 20th anniversary which again maybe that is also something that is a little bit kind of a little bit of a uh 
yeah. you have some apprehensions towards of um, trying to capitalize on yeah. on it when it's especially like a, a again I, I think its intentions are in the right place so i don't know if it's necessarily like i don't think it's like a a thriller or or something like that that's trying to kind of capitalize on that like i think its intentions are in the right spot so putting it in a place where you know more you know unfortunately not unfortunately but like the 20th anniversary will put more attention on you know the anniversary of uh, of 9-11 um well yeah like you go on to to itunes right now yeah. There are tons of documentaries. Everyone's and, doing it. And I yeah. think like as long as your intentions are in the right spot, which I think at for the most part, a lot of these things are, uh, even though if it's still a business ultimately and you want you know people to watch the movie or subscribe to to watch it. So it is a little a bit of capitalizing on that anniversary. But um, I think, again, I think the movie's heart is in the right place and is, is trying to it really does. I think care about the people in this fund and, and want to show how it came from, you know, just seeing them as like, okay, this very basic formula of what your worth is basically your job and how much money you make um, to something more. And I think the movie does a pretty decent job at that. It's just nothing blew me away. And I think it probably could have been better. Um, but I think it, perfectly hits that yeah that was a pretty good movie like kind of bar yeah and 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 again to your point like i feel like compared to something like oliver stone's world trade center which came out in 2006 and yes you know that was an interesting year in itself because you also had paul greengrass's united 93 and and ladder 49 also a 9-11 movie no 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 it wasn't it was just a firefighter film um wasn't there a nick cage one or is that that is world trade center okay that's what i'm thinking yeah yeah yeah, and then you also had paul greengrass i got that in ladder 49 Stuff. Yeah, so Paul Greengrass's United 93 and World Trade Center came out in the same year. And then you also had the A&E TV movie Flight 93. Um, two of those films are emotionally manipulative garbage. Um, and they were, you know, basically exploiting a horrible, horrible event. Where, and that's what I kind of mean where I don't think this movie's doing that. Yeah, where United Paul Greengrass's United 93 is not necessarily a, – a, a drama it is more so a thriller but it was still it still was able to ride that line of being respectful but also being engaging in terms of the like suspense even though you know what's going to happen and it, it is at by the end very tragic and it is still respectful to those who lost their lives we're united 93 we're with world trade center world trade watching center, it yeah. you just kind of felt to yourself like Okay, like this truly is, you know, because it was a fictional story, just an amalgamation of, you know, a bunch of different stories during 9-11, right? And then they just kind of made this, you know, again, and almost too soon after it, right? Like, Yeah, this weepy drama that, you know, has Oliver Stone's kind of classic uh, guerrilla style filmmaking with the eccentricities of being hallucinatory. Like there's one scene that, you know, everybody talks about in world trade center where Michael Pena's character, uh, sees Jesus with a water bottle. And you're just like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, that that's not, needed. I mean, that's Oliver Stone. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. And he just can't help himself sometimes, um, when it comes to that stuff. And it just, it's even worse now when you, when Oliver Stone talks about being sort of, he's not a conspiracy. Well, he kind of is a little bit of a conspiracy theorist with JFK, but like, you know, his leanings towards sort of dictatorships and things like that. It's just like, it makes it even worse in retrospective. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think this movie does any of that. And I think it is respectful and I, I, I'm okay with it coming out on the 20th anniversary just to get more, you know, eyes on, 
on it and um yeah i think it's um you know it, it's a pretty decent you know movie so i'm gonna give it a uh, i'll give it a three out of five i'll also give it a three out of five cool uh thank you all for listening um we really really do appreciate it as eric mentioned um we're planning to tiff uh right now um i just we're it's my favorite time of the year and like i mentioned earlier like i think it's important to kind of take a step back and remember um this event and i think this movie coming out and and i'm glad that i watched it right before because we will be so busy over the next uh couple weeks well even how it affected um, tiff right like yeah the the year that you know that that it happened with 9-11 tiff was canceled and in Mm -hmm. the years since then you know tiff does have uh, a kind of remembrance uh, uh especially when it comes to anniversary stuff where like they talked about um you know that was the year when Mulholland Drive and and Donnie Darko were playing the, the festival and how they had to mm-hmm. cancel it out of you know just not knowing what just, the world was going to yeah, be like exactly so. you don't want to have a big event during that time but um yeah we'll have tons of coverage uh the festival is happening this year um and like again it's all eerie watching this stuff because the last two years have had cancellations different things tons of people losing their lives so it's just i think this movie hit me a little harder because of all that stuff too so uh keep it locked right here on youtube or on podcast services on untitled movie reviews we'll have coverage of the entire toronto international film festival so we'll be doing capsule reviews which means it's going to be a little bit shorter than the 40 minutes or so you're getting here we're going to try to keep them to 10 15 minute reviews of everything we see during the festival this year um like eric mentioned we'll try to sprinkle in some stuff that's coming out in uh cinemas like card counter and 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 things like that maybe during the festival but it might come afterwards and then we'll also have a big preview show of uh tiff coming out uh this monday september the uh 4th 6th is monday uh labor day so we'll have a big tiff preview with some impressions and stuff there and then you'll see reviews start to trickle out next uh week so yeah we'll be super busy over the next couple weeks at tiff so we'll have tons of reviews right here on youtube and podcast services so uh please uh check those out we'd really really appreciate it um you can find kind of all the links to everything uh untitled over on letterboxd our hq is untitled underscore movies uh we're basically the same on all social media so go check us out all there everything you need youtube uh reviews uh ratings uh which will have links to the podcast and the youtube versions everything's over on letterbox so that's the easiest place uh to send you guys thank you so much who's followed uh recently we're almost at 600 followers over on letterbox which is awesome for just uh starting that a little while ago so really really appreciate that um and as always my name is matt rohrbeck uh you can find more of my work around the internet uh but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt rohrbeck and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com cinema scene and on the social media is at em6211 until next time never forget